Welcome into episode 67 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Happy to be joined with the main crew once again. Uh, we'll start. David Sisk is finally back. David, how are you? I'm scared to say I'm doing well after that game because I'm afraid uh, the wrath of Big Blue Nation would come down on me, so. Yeah, it was a uh, it was definitely one to one to remember, or I guess just not remember. I mean, it was a very frustrating performance against Richmond. Uh, we'll we'll jump into that, dive in, and and break down everything from start to finish here in a little bit. But before that, Sean, uh, we're back with Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. Uh, Kentucky, you know, dropped a game here at Rep Arena today. Jack and I are actually still sitting here in an empty Rep Arena. Uh, just a rough day for John Calipari's team, especially on the offensive end of the floor, and I'm sure we're going to get into all that. How did you get, uh, you know, you're at Rupp Arena. How did you get your signage right behind you at the at the arena? I feel like you had to pay good good big money to have the Kentucky da- Daily logo, you know, locked in, locked in. Let's change that. Yep, now it's just the <laughs> backdrop of the press seating. So it, it, you, it makes it look like I, I could be anywhere and just fool anyone. Good thing we're not using video, though. Well, yeah, uh, as as you guys both said, very difficult loss. Um, you know, such such high expectations coming after the Moorhead State game. I mean, they just thoroughly dominated uh, Moorhead State from start to finish on Wednesday night, and then they follow it up with, with this one, and you just – I mean, it doesn't even look like the same team. They just – I mean, it, a lot of that has to do with the competition. But um, I, I do kind of worry that, that this – group of very young but talented you know wildcats kind of got a little bit full of themselves and and uh you know it it never felt like they thought they were going to lose this game it it always felt i mean there was no urgency even when they got down you know i think that seven point deficit uh, early in the second half was kind of a okay you know we got to see got us kicking in the gear at some point when are you when are things going to start clicking and it never seemed like they were in any rush to start you know cutting the deficit and 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 you know pulling off a comeback so David I'm very interested to see what your thoughts you know what do you think happened from the season opener on Wednesday night against Moorhead State uh to tonight obviously and then and not just obviously between the competition level but just from from Kentucky side the the focus and the intensity I was going to say, too, with Sean's background there, I, I thought he might be getting the naming rights to Rupp Arena, and it might be the Gold Big Country Rupp Arena or whatever. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, honestly, I just think they played a much better team that kind of exposed weaknesses and, and things are going to have to be worked on. And Moorhead State, according to Ken Palm, my numbers are – and if I'm off, it's just give or take a few – but they were number 317 out of 353 Division One teams, if I'm not mistaken, going into that one. This is a game today that I've had circled on the calendar, and I think we've talked about it for months. And I'm trying to think if it was June or July or whenever it was that they originally came out with the schedule. And I was like, oh, my goodness, why do they want to play Richmond, you know, early in the year? And I was kind of hoping, just for Kentucky's sake, that, when they redid the schedule because of COVID, that was a game that they might drop because when you're playing Louisville and Ohio State, Kansas and all those, I mean, we know that everything else is power five the rest of the way. I mean, it's a brutal schedule. 
You know, Richmond's not the not the non-power five team that you want to have. Twenty-four and seven, everybody back, and you know I've watched them a lot. Um, they played Vanderbilt last year, and then this is just a team that ties you up in knots. They're experienced, they're one of the most experienced teams in the country, but they know how to play with that Princeton system. They're tough, and I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I think in the second half there were things, yeah, that you could work on. Uh, and I've put some video clips out. I'm working on a story now, going back and watching. Uh, lack of fundamentals, uh, talking about Devin Askew killing a dribble, lack of seals, uh, poor fundamentals of passing, stepping through, things like that, not sealing, poor fundamentals defensively. But I also felt like, number two, it was they got frustrated college players, prima donnas really out of high school that got smacked in the mouth for the first time in college. Uh, and you could see it. They quit guarding defensively. I thought their defense was really good the first half. Yeah. In the second half, that was like a different team. I think that thing, that can be fixed. Yeah. Uh, you just saw a team, they didn't sprint back on loose balls defensively, out of stances. Uh, man, they just started giving up easy shots, giving up offensive rebounds. They didn't do it in the first half. So those things can be fixed. I have no doubt about that. But I do think this is a team with some weaknesses. We worried going into the year about point guard play. I think it manifested itself today. Um, I think it's a team in spots that I worry about being able to shoot the ball outside. I think teams will pack it in. I, I'm, I'm going to have to see Terrence Clark make outside shots, and he's going to be a really good player. But to be the player, elite guy he's going to be, I've got to see him do that. I'm worried with Saar and Jackson on the floor at the same time. Teams packing in. I don't know about Jackson Ware being able to step out on the floor and face up. I really think they need Keon Brooks at the four spot in that situation. Uh, but, um, you know, just the total ball movement and the ability. I, I just think there's some spots there that, that I'm concerned about moving ahead that I think teams will be able to exploit in their game plans. Sean, we talked a lot in the first, you know, after the first game, how it felt like Devin Askew was the perfect complimentary piece for the starting unit alongside B.J. Boston, Terrence Clark, and, and Olivier Saar, and Davion Mintz would be the perfect spark plug off the bench as the, as the dynamic scoring guard. Um, I thought, to be totally honest, I thought it was a very disappointing effort on both of, you know, both of, uh, from both of them, um, really didn't. I think there are more questions about the point guard position now than we even had going into the season, just because we saw what, you know, we saw, we, we know what Devin Askew's strengths are, but we also know what some of his weaknesses are. And I thought a lot of those weaknesses were exploited against a very good Richmond team. Um, and they're only going to continue to come with, with, you know, a talented Kansas, Kansas group coming up on Tuesday. And then, you know, obviously moving forward into the SEC slate. And I guess just even just before non-conference play, but I, you know, a lot of people are immediately going straight at Davion Mintz and saying, well, it's an easy fix. You just got to put Davion Mintz in the starting lineup. I didn't think that he played all that particularly well as well. I just think, I think there are a lot of questions about, the starting point guard position right now. There's a reason, though, that he's playing as many minutes as he is compared to Mintz, in my opinion. Like the minutes were – he played, I think, 10 more minutes than Mintz against Moorhead. And then mm -hmm. today, 
Askew played, I think, 35 minutes. They essentially went to just three perimeter players pretty much for the full game today. When you look at the overall minute distribution, uh, this is a young team, but Askew's even younger. Like, Askew's a kid that could be a senior in high school. I know they've said that a million times on TV already. Uh, but, yeah, the, the point guard spot for sure. This was, I think this was a bad matchup for game two. Uh, we should remember it was supposed to be game three. Uh, right, Kentucky was fair. supposed to play Man, Detroit Friday. Too. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it's uh, that's a good that's a good point, David. And David already hit on it too with the the fundamentals that we're lacking. It's fundamentals, and I think David will agree with this that they could get by with in high school and in AAU games. You cannot get by with that at this level. Uh, two, I think in the second half. I think the defensive struggles was just a carryover from their offensive struggles. I think that Richmond is a hard team. They put a ton of pressure on you on the defensive end. They back cut you to death. And I just think that that's why you saw the 48 points given up in the second half, as I think was frustration coming over from the offensive side of things. And two, you saw a lot of guys just revert to their high school days. It was one-on-one isolation basketball. There was one play I remember, uh, I think Cal called an isolation uh, at the top of the key for Clark and every single Richmond player was in gap help, and it led to a turnover. And I just think right now this is a team that they don't know who they are. They don't know who they want to go to when they get in situations where, like, when Richmond took the lead in the second half, is it Saar, is it Boston, is it Clark? Uh, I think they're just trying to figure those things out right now. And this this was a bad matchup for game number two. Like David said, probably game three, four, five, <laughs> six, seven, and eight, honestly. I, I'm honestly – I'm going to say – that this team, by the time we get through the Louisville game and this portion of the schedule, it's going to be one of their top three teams that they played in the non-conference, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you another thing, too, uh, you know, before we move ahead, I've always enjoyed in the past, a lot of people didn't, I always enjoyed the mid-major or low-major schedule that Kentucky had played. I might be the only person, but the reason I did – they would play these teams early on. Two years ago, they get blown out by Duke by 40. Uh, last year, they get beat by Evansville. This year, it's the bad loss, double-digit loss at home to Richmond. But they were always really early in the year. And then they had what we always called Calipari boot camp, where it's just practices and practices, you know, two, three a days during Christmas break and and – even before then, you know, they get these mid-major mid game, they'll get three or four practices, and you just kind of watch the improvement. They're kind of thrown into the fire this year. So instead of getting that, you're rewarded with, like I said, Kansas and Louisville and Ohio State and all that. So I think the learning curve is going to be even more difficult this year because you just don't have that time to, to, to get it whipped together, you know. We'd already be three weeks into the season instead of two games. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, Calipari said something something to the effect of, uh, "I think you guys should be testing me for drugs, not the coronavirus." Um, after the Morehead State game, knowing what this uh, what this upcoming non conference schedule is going to look like, and I think we saw, I mean, just the the game immediately after that, how yeah, there might have been at least a, a bit of truth to that. Now, David, I you know you're a guy that has been watching AAU basketball in particular for quite some time. Um, five total assists in the game, zero in the second half, almost just constant one-on-one isolation ball. It looked like we were at the, you know, we missed the Peach Jam EYBL season this year. I think we uh, got something at least pretty close to it here in, uh, you know, game two for for Kentucky. Yeah, and 
I think one thing, I think Calipari's playbooks is limited right now as I've ever seen it this time of year. You know, he always had three or four go-to plays where it was to Iverson cuts, where it was baseline circle, where it was Vegas or whatever. And, you know, they, they don't run a whole lot right now, at least I've ever seen them do it. But I'm going to tell you something, too, and I don't want to put this all on one player, but you go back and watch it and watch, especially the second half, and you watch how – Easily, uh, con- uh, Richmond was able to move the ball compared to Kentucky. Richmond just whipped it around. Kentucky got lazy. They weren't in the passing lanes. But the reason I say that, go to the other side. When Kentucky has it, Richmond's denying everything. They're up in passing lanes. It's almost like they can't get anything off the first pass. They're almost going to isolation basketball because of it and trying to let somebody create. In the past, they had point guards that could break you down. And I know Ashton Hagens was kind of a whipping boy, but they'd love to have Ashton Hagens back right now because you know what had happened. They'd spread that thing out, and if they took away the wings, man, Ashton Hagens would get to the rim. Yeah. And I just don't know that Kentucky has got that at the point. I think it led to that. I think eventually you're going to see Terrence Clark at the point. And maybe ask you playing in the manual quickly role. You know, he was a point guard. They moved him off the ball. But I think that may be the best thing. But it's still going to be a lot. That's not going to be the end all. I think they got a lot of work to do. But I think that was just something that led to it. You know, it's not like, okay, they're taking I, – I, I can't pass it over here to this wing. He's guarded. I can't pass over here to this wing. He's guarded. And we don't have anybody to break it down. And I yeah. think one thing, too, with the big lineups right now, you know, where they're playing two posts and all that, you know, they've got everybody stacked up at the high post. And there's to be fair, there's not a lot of driving lanes either. It's kind of congested. So, man, Cal Perry's got as much to figure out as these players do because, I mean, this is going to be, like I said, a big learning curve for everybody. And you mentioned Terrence Clark, you know, at some point running the point, and I think that that's coming too. You know, right now, though, when you see Terrence, he, he dribbles a lot. Like, there's yeah. a lot of wasted dribbles with him. There's a lot of wasted dribbles with B.J. Boston. There there was no flow offensively. I thought they had an excellent game plan early, though. They tried to establish SAR. They were very successful with that early in the game. But, too, this this is a team that – how many how many shots did they miss inside three or four feet today? I mean, they left yeah. a lot of points right at the rim today that if they had hit those, it's probably a different game. Free throw shooting, too. For a team that's going to attack the basket and attack the basket the way they are, you would like to see a better free throw percentage from this team. What were they today, 20 of 33? Yeah, they missed 13, was, 13 attempts. But, too, they're – this is these are guys in Terrence Clark, BJ Boston, Devin Askew. They're they're getting to the rim, and I'm not going to get lost yet and caught up in the 0 of 10 from the three point line because they didn't take a lot of shots. Uh, they certainly need to hit some shots. David, I already talked about this on Twitter with some of his video breakdowns. You're going to see a lot of teams go under screens on Kentucky, and uh, I think that's something that you got to see change pretty soon. Is they got to start knocking down some perimeter shots, but I'm not going to get too caught up in, in it yet. I want to see what this thing looks like two or three weeks from now because I still think that they have some guys that are very capable shooters. I think that will come as they get a better rhythm and offensive flow because a lot of the I think a lot of those three today probably weren't in rhythm. Mm-hmm. Here's my yeah. concern too: with Terrence Clark, they've got to have Terrence Clark be elite. I mean, the 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 hopes for this team from people like us are based on Terrence Clark and B.J. Boston both play up to the press clippings because we're talking about, you know, how just two sensational talents 
as freshman, you know, perimeter players. But Clark has got to make outside shots. And I'm going to be honest, it concerns me. I'm not sure if he can consistently. I'm going to be honest. And if he can't, then that limits. Because mm-hmm. right now, if he doesn't get to the rim, he I like his mid-range pull-up. But if he don't get two feet in the paint, he's a different player. And so if he's a different player, that's going to hurt Kentucky. And also, like you said, well, Sar, I agree. Excellent game plan early. They wanted to get Golden in foul trouble. But, you know, Richmond started running that second player at him off that help side. You know, they stripped him there. He'd face up and he'd have a guard run at him from the other side and strip him. And you could tell he got frustrated too. I don't think his effort in the second half because of that was near what I'd like to see from senior. You know, he's the guy that's got to step up and take some leadership here. Yeah. Yeah. They, they got challenged and they went the other direction. And I think that was something – that was the one thing that we didn't get out of Wednesday night. We didn't know how they would react once someone punched them in the mouth, and they certainly got punched in the mouth. And once Richmond took the lead, they never – Kentucky really didn't threaten again at any point, I felt like, in those final 14 minutes. And uh, that's something I'm sure Cal will see on film. And, I mean, the good news is with this with this sport – uh, now it's COVID-19. You never know what happens with cancellations. But the good news is with college basketball, you can forget it pretty quickly because you got to play another one in 48 hours. Yeah. And I think that's probably the most frustrating aspect of it all to me um, is considering how they – it seemed like this team just had that, okay, we're going to put our – you know, we're going we're gonna to establish a lead. We're going to – put our foot on the gas and they just kept going against Morehead State. I mean, they, you could kind of, we kind of got that false sense of, okay, maybe they do have that killer instinct in them because I mean, frankly, we just didn't see that at all in the second half. I mean, just they, they, Sean, like you said, the second that lead got down, you know, it was a tie game. They got a, I think, took a one point lead on a three point make. And then from there, it was just slowly inching away in, in Richmond's favor. And it never looked like this Kentucky team was, was going to, you know, there was no urgency. They, they just didn't look like they were ready to take a game over. And it was just like, wow, this is just a complete 180 from what we saw against uh, more, uh, whoever we played more at state. And that's a spot too where situational basketball, they have not been in that situation yet. And now that they have been in it, I think come January, February, if they if a team takes a lead at the 14-minute mark, 13-minute mark of the second half, they're going to know who their guys are. They're going to know their roles. It's, is it going to be we go to pick and roll with Terrence Clark and Olivier Saar? Is it we post Olivier Saar on the block? Do we run some of that circle action or those baseline runners like David was talking about to B.J. Boston? You're going to see guys like B.J. Boston get better as the season goes along. Right now, you got a bunch of guys who played with the ball in their hands in high school. And now you got, you're going to have a bunch of guys that's going to have to learn to play with the ball not in their hands and still be effective. I, I think that's the fun part about this. And I like what David mentioned about some of those uh, mid-major games early in the season. I hate that we don't get those because it's fun to watch the growth from game to game, from week to week. Uh, now it just has to be a lot sooner because the schedule it sets up. It's Kansas. It's UCLA. Uh, all these tough games coming up. But I still stand by that. I think that this Richmond team. I was telling somebody before the game started today. It might have been you, Jack. I was actually talking to it at halftime too. That I think that this was a team that could probably beat yeah, 10, 11, yeah. 12 teams in the SEC. I think they're that good of a quality. Of, that's a good. That's a good basketball team. Yeah. Yeah, and David, Sean, and I were talking a little bit just before this how our long-term feelings about this team 
haven't changed at all after this game. I mean, I, I, I still genuinely think that this is a this is a group of a bunch of of individual talents that I think are you know can be elite talents, especially in the, at the top and and BJ Boston, Terrence Clark, and Olivier Saar. I think if it, it, there are, it's a collective group of a lot of individual talents that simply don't know how to play basketball yet that, as, yeah, a, as a cohesive unit. It's not, it's not changed. It's not changed from what? What were your expectations? I mean, I genuinely thought that this was a national title contending legitimate basketball team. I mean, I, I said day one, I mean, I've said on this podcast several times that I thought this group has so many great collective pieces, uh, individual talents that I just thought there's, I mean, this is a team capable of, of making a very deep run in the tournament. I love uh, you, what each individual pre- piece brings to the table. And that, ne- that didn't change from, from Moorhead State to this game and now headed into the Kansas game because of because like I said it, it looked like we were watching an AAU event where there's just so much individual I'm trying to get mine I'm going to try to make a play on my own instead of working the ball around and creating open spots finding uh, you know open open lanes you know just creating open open shots anywhere on you know whether it be personally or, or through a teammate that didn't change from week one to week two just because this it it, it, it I mean like we see with Kentucky teams over and over and over again early in the year it's just a group of brand new pieces trying to come together this year being no exception if anything probably the biggest we've ever seen with with 10 brand new faces of them just trying to gel as a cohesive unit they didn't have any exhibition games they had no you know legitimate preseason games there was no ramp up with with no name you know east carolina tech university to to whoop up on and beat by 100 we didn't get that process sean i think you texted me um during the game and said you could tell that this team hasn't gotten a lot of contact practices where you're not going up against elite physical dominating type players that that we saw on the guys like you know grant golden and some of the other standouts on on um you know, on Richmond. So, David, I, I'm interested to know: Do you still, knowing this team's flaws, knowing that you know they just lost to a very good basketball team, are your expectations any different right now? Do you still think that this is a team capable of winning at all, or did you even think that this was a, a team capable of doing that? What What are your have, have your long term expectations changed at all? I didn't think they could win it. I thought they might be a team that could get to the Final Four, and that's – I'm really wavering on that. I, I don't okay. see any chance of them winning the national championship, to tell you the truth. I, really? I think if we go to the Final Four, man, they're just – right now, yeah, it has. And I don't want to real overreact because I know like the last three years, like I said, this is the third really bad loss early in the last three years, you know, from Duke, from Evansville to this. Uh and the the thing that that worries me, like I said, I, you've got you take a look today, and at one point, Sar and Boston had all their points. And I know Clark come on late, but I just kind of felt like I just never really felt like he got in a flow. And like I said, I just I feel like he's going to have to make some outside shots. I think teams can game planning. But here's the thing, man, they can't have dead weight on the floor offensively. It's bad enough from one spot. You definitely can't have two guys on the floor not scoring. So and that's what they had today. I mean they had they had three guys who 
scored, what in the team. You may have the numbers there in front of you. I, I know that the, uh, Clark ended up with 15. I think Sar had 15, and, you know, he struggled in the second half. But uh, And then, obviously, VJ. But, man, yes. you're going to have to have other guys step up. Now, it, to, to get there, I know things can happen in the tournament. But if they get that deep, their defense is honestly going to have to be extraordinary because to me right now to get that far, I mean, it would have to be a team when you get in the postseason that would have to hold people down to 65 or less. Now, they could do that with all the length they've got. You know, we talk a lot about offensively, but the deep, to do that, man, the defense is just going to have to be extraordinary. And I think, too, I think it's going to be a team. It's going to be a hard thing for Cal to develop a bench this year because you don't have those non-conference games to kind of play He's around with. Shortened it up today. He has. And that's something I told Jack on uh, the Moorhead State uh, recap the other night, that he played a lot of guys the other night, and I could see it already coming. Lance Ware played two minutes today. Jacob Toppin played a couple of minutes. Obviously, Keon Brooks will help but here we're what happens with Davion Mintz it's he hasn't played a ton yet uh like I said he essentially played three perimeter players today you can see Cam Fletcher I think as it goes I just don't know I think he's a dead spot on the floor offensively I think you know Dante Allen that's going to be very interesting I don't think he touched the floor um so of course you're going to have Keon back like you said but I I yeah I can see that bench already shortening up a little bit David, what do you, what do you think of that uh, that addition of of Keon Brooks? Because originally going into this game, I even said on the the KSR pregame show that I was worried about where Brooks fit into the situation after the fact because there had been so much hype about Isaiah Jackson and and that fit alongside you know Olivier Saar. It, it, things looked pretty good. Obviously, the foul trouble was an issue in, in game one, but they seemed to find a, a little bit of success. And then right away, Calipari changed it up and went with Cam. Fl- Fletcher, we in, in game two instead of uh, you know went away from that just to avoid the avoid the foul issue. Where do you think Keon Brooks fits into this, and does that change your you know the, the dynamic of of how good you think this team can be? Well, you, I think like I said in that position, there were so many three slash four guys. You're already starting to see it shorten. Like I said with Allen, I think Cam Fletcher is very limited offensively. He's one of the dead spots I talked about. Uh, so here's the thing with, and of course, Toppin's in there too, you know, there, there's, they're on down the road guys to me. So obviously Keon's sitting there and saying, you know, I know there's a lot of competition for my spot, but I'm going to be okay here. I think number one, he's going to add the toughness because I felt like you saw a young team and I'll use it here, a young team. I'm trying not to use a crutch for them. But you saw a young team get hit in the mouth and get frustrated, and you saw their effort just – I thought – I'm not going to say they quit, but the effort defensively, I just don't that in from the first half and second half, was like it was an out-of-body experience. You know, there were yeah. different people in the uniforms the second half. I, and, and I think that was frustration. I think Keon Brooks alleviates that because he's a tough guy. I think he's a guy early on that – John Calipari has kind of said, hey, guys, look at Keon. He's been through this. So I think he's a guy, you know, Olivier Saar, we'll see how tough he is. We don't know yet. You know, he's not played for John Calipari. Keon Brooks is the only guy that has. So he plays a role there. But I watched him shoot, you know, in the pro day, 
And I like the way his outside shots come. I'm hoping he can stretch the floor a little bit. And I think that's the key here because if they can't, they've got guys that can't shoot the ball. Like I said, they're just going to sag in the lane. They're going to go under screens. They're going to make this team beat them from the outside. And then I think you've got some problems. I'm hoping Keon can step out, shoot that ball, stretch the floor a little bit. One thing you saw from Richmond, too, I noticed, when Saar and Jackson, that's a big lineup. When they were in a game at the same time, they were putting both those guys on the same side of the floor and playing a lot of screen and roll and back cuts on them. And, and they were big, you know, and, and, and they're getting beaten by a smaller lineup. Keon could make that team quicker. And like I said, could spate quicker defensively where you're not getting back cut, where you're not getting screened and rolled and screened and popped, and then defensively could spread the floor out. And then maybe Terrence Clark and, and BJ and those guys are more in their element. And, and one more thing on the point guard spot. I think that Devin Askew and Davion Mintz, I think their biggest impact and their way to impact this team offensively would be to hit shots. I think that's, yeah. that's going to be their role this season for both of them and not turn the ball over. I know when you're playing point guard, you're going to have some turnovers because the ball's in your hands a lot. But you have to make good decisions more than you make bad decisions. And if those two can just uh, hit the outside shot and not kill Kentucky with turnovers, uh, then I, I think Kentucky could get this thing fixed. I mean, it's early. I, I still think this team has a lot of potential. Uh, but certainly, I mean, this does open your eyes, especially with the schedule coming up and no games to kind of get it right. Yeah. What are you – so we're we're now heading into Kansas. Um, no days off. I mean, they're literally going from one – I mean, Kansas, this isn't the, the typical, you know, top five – just dominant looking from from top to bottom group oh i guess they're shutting the lights out on us that's great um (laughs) (laughs) it's a hopefully they don't set an alarm because i don't think anybody knows we're still here yeah i don't think so either this is funny um (laughs) anyway what are you what, what are we hoping to see with this kansas game that would kind of fix things for you that would make you go all right we didn't get this, but uh, okay, they fixed this, this, this is okay, we're back on the right track. Sean, we'll start with you and then we'll go with David and, and we'll get out of here because obviously they, they're ending this podcast for us. They are. Uh, going into Tuesday night, I just I want to see better team play together offensively. I want to see them trust one another more. Right now, I think you got a bunch of guys that they can say that they trust one another, but I don't think they do because I think that you're in a spot where – in high school, if things were going wrong, Terrence Clark could just do it himself. B.J. Boston could do it himself. Devin Askew, all these guys were the best player on their high school teams. Right now, I think that they need to trust the one guy who's in charge of them, and that's John Calipari, and to figure this thing out. And that's what I want to see uh, Tuesday night is do they have a better rhythm offensively? Is there some fight? I mean, how do you respond to getting punched in the mouth by Richmond Honestly, I don't think there's any better way than to go out and beat Kansas. I mean, if you can go and get that win, you kind of make BBN and everybody kind of forget about this loss. Uh, so that's what I'm looking for. I want to look for sustained effort on the defensive end, like David said. If things go wrong, you cannot let off that those mistakes travel to the other end of the floor because missed shots should not kill you on the other end of the floor. Honestly, you got to let that go. David, what will make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside against Kansas? A win. Uh, but, but I, you know, I'm going to be honest, I don't expect it. Uh, 
because you can't judge Kansas by losing to Gonzaga. I mean, you can judge Kentucky, I think, by losing like they did to Richmond. But can you imagine if Kentucky had played Gonzaga? It would have been like the Kentucky-Alabama football game. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> here's the thing. If they can play them competitively and play hard. Now, I think going from one-on-one to team ball is a work in progress. I don't think you can yeah. go from Sunday to Tuesday and all of a sudden have it. Because, like I said, they're still trying to figure out roles. They don't have a lot of offensive plays like we talked about. So here's the thing. Kansas is going to create some problems. They're going to get in them. They're going to pressure them. They're going to run into adversity offensively. And then what happens is they probably have to go a little one-on-one when their first, second options, third options are taken away. That's what happens. But what I want to see more than anything, I think you see it from teams, and I've said this before, I think early on you look at a team and you say, a young team, and you say, okay, they played hard today 10 minutes. This next game, let's play hard 12 to 15 minutes. I think when you've got that many freshmen, you want maximum tough play by the time you get into the SEC, get into January. If you can really play that level for 20 minutes and then you just build and build and build and build, and then by the time you get mid-February, you're playing 35 to 40 minutes optimal. So I kind of think that's it. I just want to see, I guess the way Sean put it, more sustained effort, more sustained defense, not head dropping, not jogging back in transition defense, not non-blockouts, lackadaisical closeouts, just letting people get to the rim. Uh, I want to see more fight from this team and, and uh, something that Kyle Perry can build on is, okay, we've toughened up. We show what we got in our guts. We'll work on this other stuff. But right now, I think all this team can do is not get us frustrated and and just fight. I know that's not an X's and O's answer, but I just like I said, I just don't think you can do a lot of X's and O's in two days. You just said it. You literally go from 48 hours, you're getting on a plane, and you're playing the top 10 team in the country. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot to, uh, you know, there'll be a lot to work on, but I just want to see the toughest part of it. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, they have made the decision for us. We'll get the heck out of here. Uh, we'll start with you, Sean. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Uh, and David? I guess the word got out that it was going to be Go Big Blue Country Referendum. <laughs> well, I'm going to actually – I'm going to challenge Jack to a game of one-on-one right here. I might leave, I might leave this video hey, on. Play, hey, I guarantee you guys, if you play horse and three, you might go better than 0 for 10 in the dark. I, I, I promise you, I promise you we'd go better than for, uh, than 0 and 10. <laughs> okay. Uh, David Sisk, Cats Illustrated on the Rivals Network, and, of course, uh, Coach David Sisk at Twitter. And like I said, we're putting up clips right now from today's game and, and just kind of looking at some things that, like we just talked about, how they can improve. Yeah, you're not going to find any better, you know, X's and O's breakdowns and what David's doing. He, he does awesome work, as always, as does Sean. We appreciate both of them uh, for coming on here and making this a regular a regular thing. We're uh, having a lot of fun with this, and hopefully next time we uh, have a little bit more to celebrate because this one wasn't a whole lot of fun. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back, I guess, here in two days after Kentucky. Kentucky takes on Kansas in the Champions Classic. Uh, We will see you then.